So hello and welcome to ESPN Click and Force Stump Mike. On this week's episode, we will be discussing the Commonwealth Games, which is going to start tomorrow. Listener, we're recording on Thursday, July the twenty-eighth. Today is the opening ceremony. Tomorrow is India versus Australia. And to discuss CWG 2022, where women's cricket will make its first appearance and cricket returns after 1998, we have with us Sudarshan. Hello. Hello. Good to be back here and good to see uh, cricket in a in a global tournament, so to say. <laughs> Along with Sudarshan and Val. Val, hello. Hi from Birmingham. I'm here on the ground, ready to go. That's lovely. You are at Birmingham, so so we'll probably be coming to you more during this podcast. Now. someone who maybe should have been at the ground if the games were originally supposed to be hosted in Durban is Firdaus and she's here with us as well hello Firdaus hello yeah we never get anything do we i mean i will say <laughs> that the commonwealth games is the only major trophy that south african cricket have won besides some wills international whatever whatever so i'm claiming this one should have been in durban what can you do they say birmingham is maybe better we can argue about that just now mm. you 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 say major trophy though for those but sudarshan and fam those those weren't official odis right in 1998 i don't think they were classified as official odis and yet here's for those saying major trophy fine fine we'll we'll give her that because south africa don't have many in their cabinet there's the spurs of cricket if you will that is a seriously <laughs> bad comparison <laughs> i don't like it <laughs> okay Serious stuff, guys. Let's get to the cricket. It's going to start tomorrow. Today is the opening ceremony of the Commonwealth Games. Val, we'll start with you. Now, how did this come about? How did women's cricket, the 2020 version, feature in the Commonwealth Games? I remember in 2014, there was there was there was some talk that that this was supposed to happen, but it didn't. There's been a push to get cricket into the Olympics. There was, I think, there was a proposal to even have it at Gold Coast in the previous Commonwealth Games, which the cricket governing body said, "No, we don't want it there." So, so how is it that in Birmingham 2022 we are going to get cricket? So, um, back in 2018, the ICC and the ECB uh, put together a joint bid to the Commonwealth Games um, for inclusion. So, I guess with the full support of those two rather big and powerful bodies um mm. behind it 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 had a good chance uh the following year the commonwealth games federation said yep you can have it in birmingham in 2022 that was um after a vote they they put it to all the um participating countries and territories who are called commonwealth games associations for the purposes of the games they all had a vote um there were 71 of them had a vote and said yeah women's cricket can be in for for 2022 so i think they saw the support behind it when the proposal was put forward for birmingham i think the commonwealth games federation put out a press release saying well of the 1 billion fans worldwide 90% of them reside in the commonwealth so it mm. made sense and that they figured they would have an audience there for it so um yeah that that's pretty much how we we came to be here now the more you think about it right for those the more it feels like this should have happened earlier yeah definitely and i also think maybe And I know this might come across as a little bit controversial because the calendar is so full, and we're probably mm. going to talk about that at some stage. But I'm wondering if we didn't want to see both women's and men's teams playing in this. Simply, for example, with rugby sevens, when we see that happening, uh, what it's done for the profile of, of rugby sevens has been amazing. And so I'm just wondering why we've only got the one playing in 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 this tournament. But yeah, as you say, should have absolutely happened earlier. We want to see cricket at the Olympic Games. we want to see cricket in in all the big places where where it matters so 
I'm really pleased that it's happening now. And to be honest, I'd also like to see a couple more teams. So, so someone who's who's never followed rugby sevens, could you give a little more context into that? Yeah, I mean, I think if if you think about rugby sevens, maybe even ten years ago, it, mm. I, I really feel like it was seen as almost like the joke of rugby, and and where you sent the the, the players who were quick but not necessarily very strong. Uh, and now, I mean, we've seen in the Springbok team, for example, that guys who made their names in the rugby sevens, and in fact, coaches who've made their names, the South African rugby sevens team, another one that I'll claim, have been very, very good over the years and have won many things. Uh, and, and we've seen those players transition to 15s. So we're getting uh, players a- able to, to make the step across. But also in terms of crowds, rugby sevens are hugely popular, big sellout events. They're quick games. They're exciting they get a lot of different nations involved. So you don't always see the big rugby teams that, you know, the ones that you know turning up at World Cups, but you're seeing mm. uh, t- teams like Kenya, for example, who've done incredibly well and, and are not known for a 15s game, pitch up and, and do really well at sevens. And I think that having them in the Olympics uh, and, and also having, we've got the Springbok women who are participating as well, they're a team that hasn't necessarily done so well. It's really raising the profile of, of the women's game in a country like, like South Africa, which still has some very old-fashioned ideas about sport. But it's also raising this um, awareness of the, the innovativeness of, of rugby in a different way, exposing a lot more people to it. You see a much wider demographic of people playing in the rugby sevens. And I really think if cricket could, could do something similar, if we can see greater awareness for women's sport, which I suppose we will see in this tournament, different nations. We're going to probably talk about Barbados a bit later. But, you know, what about a Kenya? What about a Uganda? Mm. What about a Papua New Guinea? Uh, I think we, we could, it could really push cricket's growth out of this tiny boys club, for lack of a better word, uh, and into, into a, bigger, a bigger environment because I think cricket has to grow in that sense. That was a very long ramble. You can cut it. <laughs> it's it fine. It's fine. It makes it makes it makes a certain amount of sense. There is this. We've we've also heard talk that maybe T10 should have been should have been the format, Sudarshan. That that should be cricket's entry into all these multi sport sport events. Where, where do you stand on this? The perfect format, T20 cricket. Yeah, it is the perfect. I, I don't I don't know if it's the perfect format, but uh, I don't think it should be culled more because as it is, mm. you know, it T20 is a. Uh, to use a cliche, a modern day version of, of our sport. And if you look at it now, we have settled into T20s and we, we are comfortable with it. But do you want to cut it short? I don't think so, because then the skill set perhaps goes out of the window and it's just about who has stronger muscles and who can bash it longer. So in a sense, it is the perfect, uh, a perfect format for cricket and women's cricket because ICC has traditionally taken a stand that they want to promote, they want to use t twenty. Mm-hmm. to promote women's cricket and that is the growth. So in a way, it is a perfect format, but uh, will it be so for the men as well? That That's a question for perhaps some other day. Yeah, that, that will only in the future. So so we touched upon this with those and it was Durban who was supposed to host these games, uh, but it was taken away from them due to financial constraints. And, and Durban has had a few issues in recent times, yeah? Yeah, look, it's almost impossible to think that the games could have been hosted in Durban at this point. We're a year out of major riots, which resulted in extreme looting and the destruction of several shops, businesses, homes in Durban. And that was a result of civil unrest uh, because of the former president, Jacob Zuma, who's facing corruption charges. We also, and his base is in Durban. But then uh, very sadly, earlier this year, Durban was hit by severe flooding to the point where some of the best beaches along the, the coastline have been washed away. People have lost their homes. Uh, It's a real struggle. Durban is in a really difficult place at the moment. And what makes it doubly sad is that Durban is the city in South Africa 
with all the facilities. So, you know, in the, the Moses Mabida sports complex, you've got the, the stadium that was there for the 2010 World Cup. You've got the rugby ground. There's the massive aquatic center. Uh, it really is set up. It's on the coast. So everything is there. Kingsmead is not too far from that. It would be, I really think if South Africa was to bid for an Olympic Games, Durban should be the city that does it. And this is coming from someone who lives in Cape Town. So that's quite a thing to say. But um, <laughs> it, it's very unfortunate. And I also think, and this is again, as Sudarshan has pointed out, maybe a discussion for another day. I don't know that, that cities in the developing world will host a lot of these games. You know, we're yeah. seeing, for example, the US is getting a lot, of, a lot of major sport, rugby World Cup, a cricket World Cup and Olympic Games. Maybe we just can't afford it. Yeah, yeah, it, it does. There, there are so many studies and researches out there that say that it drains a lot of money from, from the city, from, from the municipality there. So that means the games are now in Birmingham. Well, how much cricket does England get? They've got the next two WTC finals. There is, there is that one tournament in 2026, the 2026 Women's World Cup, the T20 World Cup. That's in England. The others are all out in the subcontinent. How much cricket do you guys want? Oh, I know. Tell me about it. And then when you've got this tournament going on, you know, with a bilateral men's series mm. going on and then you've got all, we're in full swing in the county season. It's just cricket, cricket, cricket. So, um, yeah, it's, uh, it's getting a, a good profile here. I think, um, I think one thing to remember about the Commonwealth Games too, and, um, you, you get us, if you didn't know it already, you get a sense of it on the ground. Is it is a multi-sport event, and that is a mm. big deal for a lot of the or all of the athletes, including the, the cricketers taking part. I took a walk just down the road, and I could see. It, I think that's where the, the beach volleyball uh, venue is. But outside, they just had some basketball hoops up, and it was clearly mm. one of the Australian teams because they were in green and gold, just having a, a bit of a, a, a shoot around, you know, on, on the basketball court. And so you sort of you you realise that this is sort of a, a bigger uh, multi-sport event. And I know that that is a massive attraction to a lot of the cricketers taking part here. Like you, you ask them about what it means and they can remember the Commonwealth Games and watching them as, as a kid and obviously not watching cricket as part of those. So, I mean, my earliest memory of the Commonwealth Games was 1982. I'm ageing myself here terribly in <laughs> Brisbane. But, um, <laughs> but the, the big memory for me was the mascot who was Matilda, a great big winking kangaroo who went around the stadium and gave a wink mm. and, that sort of really captured my attention. What is this thing? And then I watched and I saw all the sports and it was this, you know, big festival of sports. And that's how I sort of, one of the earliest memories I have of falling in love with sport. And you talk to the cricketers here and they're like, I did that as a kid. And now to be part of that in cricket is something I never thought would happen. It just blows their mind. And they, they, they sort of feel part of something, you know, bigger rather than just a, a cricket tournament. It's a nice way of putting it a festival of sport and, and, and we need cricket being part of that. Yes, Darshan, do you remember the 1998 Commonwealth Games? I don't, I don't remember if it was telecast, to be, to be very honest. I found a few videos on YouTube. But what I've done in my infinite wisdom is prepare a small pop quiz for the three of y'all. Now, I did give you a slide. <laughs> those is already nodding her head. Listen. I hate like <laughs> the quest, I'm going to keep the questions as simple as possible. There's, there's, there's two questions each. Okay, there's, there's no real points at stake here. It's just for a bit of fun. So, so Sudarshan, we'll start with you. Who were the hosts in 1998? Kuala Lumpur was, were the games in Kuala Lumpur. Mm-hmm. That, that is correct. So, they, I think... Take a point, Sudarshan. Take one point. One point for Sudarshan. Uh, Kuala Lumpur were the hosts. Val, you're next. 
So we know I, I need to put this into context. South Africa did win gold medal. Firdos has mentioned it multiple times. A major gold medal, as she calls it, in, in the Commonwealth Games in 1998. Well, who finished as the highest wicket taker? I now I'm I may or may not be at an advantage here because I may be the oldest one here and, and remember it a bit more clearly because <laughs> I was actually working as a sports journalist then. Mm. Um, um, I want to say Damien Fleming. Mm-hmm, absolutely, Damien Fleming. He finished. He finished with, with 15 wickets. Australia were silver medalists in that tournament. For those, your question: Who finished with bronze? I was, I was very young in 1998, so I'll just take back some of the, some of those years now. Um, was it New Zealand? Yes, New Zealand beat Sri Lanka in the third place playoff. Now the next round of questions are slightly tougher. Okay, there are a couple of questions here. So Sharan, we'll go with you first. You can pass it on if you don't know this. Who finished with the most runs? Ooh. I think it was a Sri Lankan. Uh, was it uh, Gunavardhane? Avishka Gunavardhane? It was Avishka Gunavardhane. He, he, he had a century and I think a half century in that tournament. So there wasn't a lot of runs scored in the tournament. Uh, the other two were Steve Waugh and, and Stephen Fleming, who finished in, in oh. the top three as well. You remember the tournament. You remember the final. South Africa beat Australia. And it was mainly in part due to an absolutely outstanding spell of bowling by Sean Pollock. He picked up uh, four of the first five Australian wickets to fall and, and the other one was was a run out. But I think his main contribution probably was the top three wickets who were in those top three. Firdos, how about you take a shout here? Th- th- just think logically in 1998. So Mark Waugh is correct. Mark Waugh is correct. Okay. So who was Mark Waugh's opening partner at the Commonwealth Games and one down? Mm-hmm. I think Ricky Ponting would have been three. Yes, Ricky Ponting was three. Course, now, course, all course. we need is Mark Waugh's opening partner opening at the Commonwealth partner. Games. And would it have been the same as his opening partner at the 99 World Cup? Oh, is that's that asking for too many <laughs> yeah, that, That's a bit... <laughs> but, but this is... Yeah, you're, you're warm there. Was it- when we're talking about openers, this is one of the names that will come... Gilchrist? Yes, Adam Gilchrist was the was Mark Waugh's opening partner. So, hey, well done for those. Now, I have one final question and whoever wants to answer this can raise your hand. Yeah, Australia were in India's group in, in, in the Commonwealth Games. India didn't make it out of the group. Australia finished top of the group. Who finished second? Was it Antigua? Yes, yes. Wow, sure. Yeah. Antigua finished second in India's group, which was an absolute shock. It was an absolute shock. Uh, the team and was Hayden Antigua Walsh, and I think, Babuja. was the part of, part of Antigua. Mm. Hayden Walsh Jr.'s father. Uh, one one international of the key, cricket? Yeah. One, one of the key reasons why was also because I think that first game between India and Antigua and Barbuda, it was washed out. Not that India were doing very well, uh, like they were 30 for two, but they would have chased down 165, we would assume. So it was washed out and then it came to their results versus Canada. Antigua ended up beating Canada, thrashing Canada far more than India thrashed Canada. So there you have it. India didn't get out of the group stages. And there's an India with such Tendulkar in the side. Now getting back, getting back to some serious discussion now about, about these games that, that, that we have in Birmingham starting tomorrow. Val, is this a test case now? Now we've heard that cricket want to be part of the Olympics. 2028, they weren't part of the provisional list. Let's make that very clear. So it doesn't seem very likely 
but the final decision will be made next year and therefore all eyes will be on cricket at the commonwealth games now to see if we can be included in 2028 yeah um you're right it's not on the provisional list for los angeles and um so they have got some serious lobbying to do um mm. as a sport i think the one thing that we need to remember is um with cricket at the Commonwealth Games, you're preaching to the converted a little bit, okay? So, like as I said, like a large proportion of Commonwealth Games uh, of cricket fans are co within Commonwealth Games nations, just about all of them. So you've already got a captive audience there when it comes to Commonwealth Games, and they can tap into that much tougher task when it comes to the Olympics. And I I know that when uh, that Heather Knight, the the England captain, was speaking recently about how the Commonwealth Games can be a game changer for women's cricket and get it out there, attract fans that we have had before because that you know they're making it more visible in this multi-sport sort of platform however like I say they're all going to be from cricket playing nations or familiar with cricket when when you go you know to, to an Olympics that's a whole other kettle mm. of fish really and I, I think you, you know you're absolutely right it's it looks unlikely and they've got a, a lot of lobbying work to do if they're going to get there. So what does this tournament then need to deliver on? In, in your mind, what, 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 what do we want to see over the next couple of weeks that, that, that then if I was one of the people lobbying or pitching to, to the Olympic Committee saying that, yeah, this is what we can provide the fans, this is what we can, we can provide as a sport? Yeah, so that's going to be a big thing. It's going to be great matches that, that get the fans involved, that really get people excited. And, and I think, too, this is not something they're going to be able to prove instantly, but there'll be a, a big sort of participation element as well like they'll mm. try and say well look you know this was visible there were so many you know young girls and boys there watching because they're gonna you know try and lobby for, for men's cricket as well I'm, I'm sure at some point that then they've got scheduling issues galore but they'll be able to say look there was all these young kids there they've been inspired we've got a next generation to t take our for sport forward so I mean that's going to be, be an argument for them so there I guess the key things is exciting matches that draw the fans in you know, the, the fans really getting involved and loving it and then being able to sort of say, well, you know, this is a growing sport that's, you know, got a captive audience, you know, ready for you guys to, to tap into as, a, as an organisation and advertisers and all that sort of thing. Fidos, is this fair that there is so much pressure now on this tournament and we're looking at it from the lens of 2028 Olympics? Should we look at this tournament in isolation and celebrate and enjoy women's cricket rather than a few of these quotes that have been coming out by, by, by a lot of the organisers saying this, this is an aim to 2028 at the Olympics? Yeah, a little bit of both. I mean, we need to be really, really pleased that cricket is at the Commonwealth Games and I'm sure we will enjoy it. But at the same time, you know, this is the, the sporting world that we're living in now where sport mm. is really part of a marketplace and it's a, a product and a commodity and all these words that we never thought we'd use as sports journalists. So, it, you know, it has to go and compete against the other sports that are there. And, and if it wants to be part of a global game, and I think Valk's made such a good point there in that in the Commonwealth, which is really, you know, the, the, the legacy of empire. And so that's why you're seeing uh, all the, the countries have got some kind of knowledge of cricket and perhaps even participate in cricket in the sporting world in general, I think you're going to have to capture markets like the U S like China, mm. because that's where the, the medals are being won at the Olympic games. And for, for cricket to establish itself there, I mean, we know there's talk of a major league or a minor league or something like that in the U S and I remember, and this is going to sound like also quite strange, but when Harun Logat was uh, at the ICC, he had spoken about trying to get cricket 
in China and, and trying to grow it there. And I just remember it being like a throwaway comment somewhere. It was part of his plans for cricket at the Olympics, or maybe it was just something that he was hoping would happen. And at the time, it just seemed like, oh, I don't know what the point of that would be. But yeah. actually, you know, it really makes a lot of sense. And I think we, we're going to see cricket up against some very interesting sports there because Commonwealth Games has got all kinds of things for you to go and watch and all kinds of things to get people excited. And I really think it will be interesting to see how cricket, which sometimes stays a bit st- stodgy and stagnant and, you know, doesn't, like we spoke about T10 and rolled our eyes Personally, I don't really want to see a, a shorter game, but you know, the hundred meters only takes nine seconds. So maybe, <laughs> maybe we do want shorter things to happen. Um, and I really think it will be interesting to see how it picks up. And, and I think that India-Pakistan game, honestly, the fact that it is probably going to be a sellout and it's probably going to break some television records in terms of how many people are going to watch it, uh, that I think could be a, a real game changer. And I hope that, that Pakistan are able to turn up and, and turn it into a game worth watching. Mm, yeah, that, that is on Sunday, July the 31st, India India play Pakistan. Sushman, quickly, give me a percentage chance of how how, how much hope is there of seeing cricket at, at an Olympic Games after this? But uh, finally, I think we are once again reliant on women and women's cricket to be the <laughs> lovely for cricket, isn't it? Because, uh, you know... Women's World Cup was played first before the men's World Cup, and yet, you know, somewhere it got lost, and women's mm. cricket was treated secondary citizens. So I like this scenario where women's cricket. But I think uh, if if, I, if we are to talk percentages, it'll be around sixty percent. I think this tournament will be a success and could count towards you know uh, paving an entry for for cricket in the Olympics. Before we preview the tournament a little bit, I wanted a word on, Sushanan, we'll stay with you. The, the calendar is out now from 2024 to 2027 of the ICC Women's Cricket event. So we have, uh, is it Bangladesh in 2024? It starts there, right? Yes, Bangladesh followed by uh, India, the World Cup in 2025 mm. and then 2026 to England again. But I like how we are at least progressing uh, towards that. The first uh, Future Tours program for women's cricket uh, was uh, is going to be released by the ICC. And which means that, you know, teams can be assured of playing a certain amount of games, unlike like in the past, we could see a Sri Lanka, for example, going out, going without a, without cricket for about a year or year and a half. That perhaps will be very less likely because of certain FTP. But again, that the execution of it falls upon the boards. But I think we can be assured of games for women with the FTP in 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 uh, in, in in progress. Right. So we have two T20 World Cups. So that's 2024 and 2026 in Bangladesh and England. We have the ODI World Cup, which is going to be in India in 2025. And then we have a Champions Trophy for those, which is going to be tentatively in Sri Lanka, as long as they qualify for the tournament. So it's conditional to them qualifying. Yeah, and that puts a lot of pressure on them, doesn't it? Because mm. they, they're really going to have to develop the game quite quickly. Sri Lanka is also in a difficult position at the moment. And... I would imagine that cricket is probably not a top priority as they, they try to get through uh, you know, changing governments and states of emergencies and so on. I think the big challenge for Sri Lanka, which is a challenge for a lot of the teams that we find don't win very consistently, is that they tend to rely on a couple of very big names. And in Sri Lanka's case, it's Chomari Atapattu, who, who gets all the plaudits and, and everybody kind of knows her name. You know, she appears at the tournaments like the fair break and, and that mm. sort of thing. 
but they really need to discover and, and nurture some depth. And that's not a challenge based in Sri Lanka alone. And it will really be about resources, which I imagine at the moment are probably not in plentiful supply, but about going out and finding young women who want to play cricket, who maybe need access to facilities, maybe need access to certain levels of coaching and get them playing regularly. That's what you'll find a lot of the women say is that only by, well, a lot of players doesn't have to be women, only by playing a lot and by playing against good quality opposition are they going to improve. So I think something like the T20 leagues that we're seeing cropping up, and we know they're starting one in the Caribbean soon, there's mm. talk of a women's IPL. If players from countries like Sri Lanka, like Bangladesh, I mean, we saw Jahanara Alam, for example, at the, the fair break tournament really come into her own. And if we can see more of that, then I think Sri Lanka will, will have a good chance. I must say, I don't really know about this idea of a champion's trophy in, in women's cricket. It seemed to overcomplicate the men's calendar. And I just don't know if we need to have it. I think, you know, women's cricket is an ideal opportunity for us to solve some of these scheduling problems and say, let's have leagues. Let's have the ICC Women's Championship, which is a set bilateral thing where everybody plays everybody in three-match ODI series. You play a certain number of games. Let's not create more things so we don't end up with burnt-out players. And, and the next thing you know, you know, a marquee women's player like a Meg Landing has to retire Ben Stokes style because she can't cope anymore. So, so let's try and, and, and streamline the calendar because, you know, more is not always more. And I think cricket needs to start to learn that, that less can be more as well. Um, so hopefully the women, as Sudarshan said, women have to do all the pioneering work. So maybe <laughs> they can also pioneer a, a slightly better calendar. And, and yeah, hopefully Sri Lanka will qualify for that. Although, like I said, I don't know about the value of that tournament. Yeah, it's, it's a bit strange because usually when you see any any nation being given hosting rights, they're automatically given a spot in the tournament as 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 hosts. This is across sport. This is probably the first time I'm seeing that they're having to qualify. But anyway, anyway, let's talk about the 2022 Commonwealth Games. We have two groups of four teams each. Australia, India, Pakistan and Barbados Val in Group A. Group B is England, New Zealand, South Africa and Sri Lanka. Favorites, Australia. We can't look past them, eh, well. Yeah, that's exactly right. And it, it's one of those, isn't it? You, sort of, you talk about them as favorites all the time, but you know, it's for good reason. They were dominant at the uh, One Day World Cup um, earlier this year. Um, I think uh, Andrew McGlashan wrote a piece just the other day that reminding us that their path to the T20 World Cup in 2020 wasn't quite as smooth, um, although, you know, we all mm. know what happened um, at the very end and, and that sort of, you know, really um, propelled them through this period of utter, utter dominance. But, yeah, I, it's just hard to see past them as favourites. They had a series in Ireland um, with Ireland and Pakistan that was rain-affected, so they probably didn't get quite as much match practice as they would like. But um, if you, you just look at their experience, their batting depth, um, they've had Tali McGrath come through in T20s and just, you know, step in there and, and be absolutely, you know, a, a key for them. Um, it just seems that um, anywhere there might be a gap, there's someone there. So they've got that depth of talent as well and, and a pool to draw on. So it's just, just hard to sort of look past them. Um, as being the strongest here, um, it's a fact. I guess one thing we haven't spoken about a lot, and it depends how much weight you give to it, but I guess the, the home crowd advantage, um, England being pumped mm. up as, as the host, you have the crowd behind them, um, you know, that that could count for something. They're, 
they're trying a few things and experimenting a bit. Now, it worked against um, South Africa um, in the series that they've just played, but it is very much in its infancy. And to come up against, you know, a, a well-oiled machine like Australia and, and be still tinkering, got a couple of, you know, 17-year-olds in there who have done very well thus far, but they've only played a couple of games. Um, yeah, it, it's, it, it's going to be hard to see anyone getting past Australia, but we shall see. We shall see. So, Shannon, Australia going, they're going for a triple crown. Yeah, they, they have the ODI World Cup. They have the T20 World Cup, two T20 World Cups, in fact, back to back. Who are their biggest challenges? India, maybe? I think uh, it should be England. But here's the thing about Australia. This time, I feel they are a bit underprepared. They're coming back from a rest. They haven't had much uh, cricket under their belt. And as Val said, and as we saw, the games in Ireland were washed. Uh, a couple of games were washed out. They didn't get enough practice. Whereas, ahead of the T20 World Cup in 2020, they had a tri-series featuring India, England. Before that, they had bilateral series against West Indies as well as Sri Lanka at home. And then again, again ahead of the World Cup this year, they played uh, the Women's Ashes and then there was the India series as well. And then the domestic WNCL as well. So lots of cricket uh, prior to those ICC tournaments, but not much this time around. Whether that rustiness kind of gives the other teams an opportunity is something I, will, uh, I like to see. But I think England... Are you're you're really strong. hoping, aren't you? I can see, see the... <laughs> Smile. Indeed, you want the change, you know. You don't want a sea of yellow, do you? Unless that yellow <laughs> is for South Africa, but uh, Fidos can't really take the sides here. But uh, England, I think, will be strong contenders. Mm. India, I, I'm not pretty sh- uh, too sure because they have a lot of changes in a way because uh, I, I know this is the first time they're completely out of the Mithali and Julan shadow. But again, they don't have an X factor who I felt was Richa Ghosh in the batting order. They, do, they don't have Pooja Vastagar for the opening clash against Australia. She's down with COVID. So lots of those changes that, think, uh, that makes me think India are a bit on the back foot. Happy to be proven wrong. Yeah, yeah. For those, we touched on touch on South Africa. They're going through a bit of a stormy period, right? now. Very much so. And I think it's happened really quickly, you know, really since losing the semi-final of the One Day World Cup, they've they've completely unraveled and I'm hoping to have a piece go up in the lead up to the tournament, which explores some of the reasons around that. I think one of the things we need to remember about South African women's cricket is that it's only been professional for eight years, which is a Mm -hmm. really short period of time. And in those eight years, it's achieved some remarkable things. Four knockout matches, four semi-finals of four major tournaments and I mean, maybe, you know, that's as good as it gets for South Africa a lot of the time. But also 10 bilateral series on the bounce where they didn't lose some amazing players who've been picked up in leagues around the world. And I just think maybe this is the ceiling for this group of players. And now the next evolution needs to come and we need to see the, the next level of professionalism. Because what you're seeing is that gap between Australia, England, and I suppose India are there and thereabouts, and South Africa is growing. And that's because of a lack of a strong domestic system primarily, but also for a couple of other reasons. So I think, whereas I would have maybe said six months ago, South Africa got a really great chance in this tournament. You know, they're without Marizan Cup. Uh, Trisha Chetty's had to go home as well. Mm. They, Danae van Nikak hasn't made it in time for the squad and she's been out of action for eight months with that ankle injury. They just seem a little bit lost, a little bit rudderless. They don't really know what's going on. They've lost six ball, white ball matches in a row. So I'm not very confident. I think unless they beat New Zealand and it's a young New Zealand side, you know, maybe we're facing a first round exit there. But what I do want to say, actually, and, and we haven't really mentioned this, maybe we still will, is that I'm really hoping we see a strong, strong performance from Barbados. Not only do they have 
a lot of West Indies players in the ranks, but uh, they also recently voted to become a republic. And since we're trying to dismantle the legacy of empire, I feel like uh, Barbados are, are the ones flying a flag there. They've got a, a woman president and, and they've really done some amazing things as a country. Uh, also, it will create some interesting complications for Stats Guru because, as I understand it, Barbados is a domestic team on our system and now we have to like create another international team. So all the challenges for Barbados winning. Firdos loves putting the challenges out there for us, our, our amazing Stats team. Well, Rajesh, Shiva, Gaurav, uh, Sampath yeah. as well. All right. Is there anyone else who wants to mention any other team or shall we get predictions in? Swarshala, gold, silver, bronze. Australia, England, and perhaps Barbados. Oh, nice. Well, I like that a lot. Um, Australia, England, uh, for me, and India. Can they? Mm. Unsure, yes. unsure. But but yeah, conditionally. <laughs> I don't think they sing bronze. Yeah, yeah. Uh, for those. So when you're part of the Commonwealth, like part of your mantra has to be anyone but England, right? We don't like seeing England yes. So, So I'm going to say Australia, India and Barbados. Okay. Just okay, that, that, that's good. Make us feel better. I'm, I'm surprised you didn't put South Africa in there, but but you gave your reasons for that. It's, it's, it is going to be a bit of a struggle. Val, you are there in, in Birmingham. So we leave the final word with you. How much are you looking forward to Commonwealth Games 2022? I really am. I can't wait for it to start. But I think the most exciting thing for me is, obviously I'm covering the cricket tournament, but is the fact that this is a new sport, uh, you know, aside for, from the men's having a quick double in it many years ago. You know, it's, it's the introduction of a new sport. They're hanging so much hope on this, the women's game um, and it, the England side in particular, who I've been speaking to as, you know, the, the host nation. Um, yeah, they're, they're, there's just so much hope and, and positivity around it and what it can do for the women's game. Um, so, yeah, I, I think it's going to be a really positive, exciting tournament. Um, just as a quick aside, um, I went to the Women's Euros um, England versus Northern Ireland a couple of weeks ago down in Southampton. The atmosphere was absolutely electric, but so friendly. It was just a brilliant mm. family atmosphere. You wouldn't think twice about taking your kids there and um and that you wouldn't say that of a lot of football games in england yeah. um but it was absolutely electric the crowd were all into it you know it was a it was a five nil game so we were spoiled by seeing a lot you know a lot of the action but the, it was lovely and and i think that will draw a lot of you know young young fans in and i think there's a lot of hope and a lot of you know optimism that this tournament can do the same for cricket here so that's what i'm looking forward to seeing yeah, just just a postscript there. If y'all have been sleeping on the women's Euros, you still have one more match to go, and it's a cracker. England are going to play Germany on Sunday. Do not miss that for the world. I mean, you can have two screens. Watch watch the cricket at the Commonwealth Games and watch the women's Euros as well. So, Ashran, Val, Firdos, thank you so much for joining us today on ESPN Cricket for Stump Mike Lister. We'll be back next week. <laughs>